What's up? I'm Todd. This is Jimmy. And this is Every Playlist Tells a Story, the podcast. Uh, before we get started, kind of my quick spiel here. If you are listening on something, subscribe, rate, comment, do all that fun stuff so we can get some good feedback, please. It's very helpful. Uh, again, follow the social media stuff, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and, of course, the Spotify playlist on Spotify. It's in the bio on the Instagram. You can email us at uh, everyplaylisttellsastory at gmail.com. I'll send you the link. Or if you've got a question or you got a comment or you got an answer to one of Jimmy's questions, shoot us an email. I'll be happy to look at it and get to it uh, on an episode as soon as we can. That said, what's going on, Jimmy? It's August, Todd. August, August, yeah, hot, and it's. I'm I'm starting to get that little feeling for football. Right, right. training camps have started. Uh, Players are back, and you know, start. You know, it's a little different this year with everything going on with this, uh, you know, virus, uh, you know, life that we're living now. But um, you know, starting to get the get the juices flowing, and you know, I had to pick a song that always gets my juices flowing for uh, my love for New Orleans Saints football. All right. And, uh, and yeah, we'll, d- we'll dive deep into that. But, yeah, so let me, love. Let me ask you this, talking about football. Um, you big fantasy football still? You still doing that? How's I, that going to affect things this year? I got four leagues. I'm in four leagues. Wow. Yeah. One based out of, um, yeah, one, I got buddies down in Florida. I got buddies in at work. Um, I got buddies back at my hometown. Right. And um, a buddy, buddies right here in uh, in Newburgh, you know. Okay. So how how does if if any? I have no idea because I haven't done it. It's it's probably been what ten years since I've done it with your hometown boys. Yeah. Yeah. What was your name? Twin City Terrors. Twin City Terrors. Yeah. Great yeah. name. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was a. Because of your because of your twins. boys, your twins, yep. yeah, yep. yeah. Named my fantasy football team after after the boys uh, in some respects, but the in the one thing I remember is there was there was one season I was doing so so good, and then, yeah, and then I had a Sunday that I just totally blanked, and I, I think I think I had like eighty percent of my players were all on bye weeks or injured or something stupid. So. Right. You got, you got very frustrated. I remember. Yeah, I did. I did. I was doing so well for not having any. You know, my my. <laughs> Picking players was based on how fun it was to say their name. I did not know that. Yeah, it's, yeah I would kind of say the name, and uh, if it was fun to say, yeah, he's my guy. <laughs> I got you. Yeah, so no Smiths. Or no, no, no Anderson's. rhyme or reason to it. I just did it because I think you guys needed somebody, and it was like fun. Guido to... Merkins? No. Okay. Anyway. He was a quarterback for the Saints way back when, but. Probably before. Probably before my time. Of, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so yeah, I've, I've actually been curious how this affects, or I guess with football, probably not as much because this is, I mean, it's probably pushed back a little bit, but camps are usually going by now, aren't they? Yeah, camps are going. Um, you know, as of this recording, everything's scheduled for the weekend after Labor Day. That's when I'm going to be down in New Orleans. Going, yeah. Um, I, I'll Ideally, I want to go to that opening game against Tom ba- Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. Yep. This will be his first appearance with Tampa Bay Bucks. Uh, but I doubt they'll have fans because Major right, League yeah. Baseball doesn't That's have right fans. right now, yeah. There's cardboard so, cutouts or nobody. But you know what? New Orleans is great. I'm going to be sitting in some restaurant. I was going to say, well, you still, you'll still go. I'll, I'll be in New Orleans, and you know we'll probably chill at Archie Manning's place. Okay. I mean, you know, there's tons of restaurants yeah, yeah, in the quarter. Plenty of places. And you can watch it there. I mean, I was in the quarter when the Saints won the Super Bowl in 2010. And I don't care how crazy Mardi Gras is. None of them can yeah. possibly touch the night the Saints won yeah. the Super Bowl and being in New Orleans. Right. I, I, we were in this bar the entire night. And, you know, and I know you're a Colts fan, so I don't want to. Eh. Delve into do what you got the moment. What when Tracy Porter did the pick six on Peyton, ran it back for a touchdown. That's when we knew, holy cow, we might just this is happening. Yeah, so you know, everybody was amped up, just counting down until it was over, and the place went crazy, and we were hugging each other, crying because I've been a Saints fan since 1980 when I was nine years old. I'm almost 50. Right Um, now. 
But the one one moment, one second I that will always stick with me is uh when we left the bar and you could hear this noise as we were approaching the door. And when that door opened, it's this white noise of just the crowd outside yeah. in the in the streets of the quarter. Just going crazy. The Bourbon Street was so packed with people and they were just jumping up and down, everybody's hugging strangers. It was just like the greatest day New Orleans ever saw. There it, you go. Yeah. And it just went on into the night. We went we walked back to our, we were about I don't know, seven, eight blocks from our hotel. And it was you know, about one in the morning, two in the morning and cars were just lined up trying to get down to the quarter, honking horns. I mean, yeah. After midnight. It was just it was the greatest night in New Orleans. It had to be the greatest night in New Orleans history. Right. It had to be. Since uh, Andrew Jackson drove the British out in eighteen fourteen, you know. <laughs> it had to be. Now, refresh my memory because I, I sort of remember. A, how did you become a Saints fan? Um, well, in the 70s, I was a Cowboys fan. I was a huge Roger Stahlback fan. Okay. And um, in 79, he retired. And I didn't like the uh, I didn't like the quarterback that came in, Danny White, because I knew he was the punter. And he turned him in, and um, Coach Landry turned him into a quarterback. And I wasn't a fan of him. So I was just like, I'm done. You know, it's a nine-year-old brain. I'm done with the Cowboys. Right. My hero's done. I mean, I still like Tony Dorsett and the players, but I wasn't going to follow the Cowboys anymore. I got to find a new team. Well, um, for some reason, in November of 1980, the Saints were on Monday Night Football. They have not won a game all season. But they had the problem with scheduling is that if you were – a decent team the year before, you're going to get some prime time. Right. Act well. They they finished. They had their best season in their franchise history. They went um, eight and eight in '79. So they're like, well, they're up and coming. They're probably going to be better next year. So let's put them on Monday Night Football against the Los Angeles Rams uh, in the Superdome. Well, they went to the tank. They were probably 0 and 11. The head coach at the time, that was his last game. He was fired the next day, you know. Right. But, you know, so I'm watching this game, and um, I always had to go to bed at halftime. I could watch um, oh, who was the um, who was the guy that talked like this and did the football game. Howard Cosell. Howard Cosell, yeah. yeah. So, you know, there was no ESPN back then. Right. So there was he always did a thing at, called halftime highlights where you could watch – like highlights from all the games from the on Sunday. It's the only time you ever got to see film footage of other games. Right. So I, my mom would let me stay up to watch halftime highlights, and I'd go to bed. Well, I so I got to watch the first half of this game, and I looked into the crowd, of the Superdome, and all the fans had these paper sacks on their heads. Right. It said like "Ain'ts on eleven, go Ain'ts." Everything was Ain'ts. Uh-huh. And. You know, these paper sacks reminded me, uh, only people my age would remember, the gong show. Uh, there was, the unknown uh, comic. There was a, the unknown comic. Yeah, yeah, he was a regular on there. He'd come on with a paper sack and said, I said, my God, this is fantastic. This is fantastic. I've never seen anything like it at a football game before. Um, and, you know, I love the unknown comic, the Saints. I mean, I go to Catholic school. You know, right. Saints are a Catholic thing. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to be a Saints fan. So go. everything was Saints. So, you know, I immediately got, I jumped into the JCPenney's Christmas catalog. You know, this is, right. late, you know, middle of November. It's already out. And I'm picking out my Archie Jan- Archie Manning jersey, my Saints helmet. You know, and I showed it to my dad. I said, this is one I want for Christmas. And he looks at it and he goes, the Saints? And I go, yeah. And then he pauses and says, are you sure? <laughs> Uh, and, you know, I got pictures when I got that stuff on Christmas Eve. And to this day, I got a shrine down in the basement of my house now. I still got that original JCPenney's helmet. Dude, really? Right in the middle, yeah. That's awesome. I've had it all these years. That's, and I, and, oh, that's great. And I, and I was home for the NC, NFC championship game and they kicked the field goal to win it. And I was wearing that helmet. And and when they kicked it good and they, I knew we were going to the Super Bowl then, I just yep. threw it off to start crying. There you go. Yeah. It's been very painful to be a Saints fan. Yeah. You've told me that story before, and it's, it's such a, to me it's such a great story of how you kind of stumbled on being a New Orleans Saints fan because you're not from the area or anything like that. It's just random luck of seeing guys with paper sacks on their head and on TV, and it's like, yeah, it's my team. Yeah, and everybody's got their story. I yeah. Mean, 
I, I knew a guy who was a Jets fan. He he was he became a Jets fan as a, a kid only because his favorite color was green. Right. And that's it. Yeah. So, you know. Little you know, things. Little things. So, uh, the follow-up question, and I know we've talked about it before. So, when you go down to New Orleans, do you still limit your, limit your shopping in the team store to 10 things or – it's tough, that? Todd. It's very tough because I know I'm getting authentic stuff. But, you know, the Internet's really helped with that. Okay, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's cause, this day and age, yeah. Because back then when the Saints were just horrible, you know, you, you weren't finding the Saints stuff anywhere. Right. So you can only you had to literally drive eBay in New maybe. Orleans. What's that? eBay, maybe. It, this is before eBay. Okay. All right. I mean, you think about when, when was that? Like 2000? <sighs> Two, three, something like that. Yeah. I mean, it was eBay. The internet know. wasn't really. Yeah, it was still that, kind of finding its way. It was finding its way. So I wasn't yeah. shopping online, that's for sure, right. like we do today. And so to find a store with nothing but Saint stuff was yeah. just stuff first for me. So, so does it still feel as good now going into that store as it did then? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Good. Absolutely. Good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, most of the stuff in my shrine is was bought down in. The stores in Metairie and right. downtown New Orleans. So, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I'll still buy something. I even when I go now, I'm gonna find something. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Even if it's just a, you know, a bead, you know, and Mardi Gras beads or right, the just little saint yeah. stuff on the bottom. Or I'll, yeah, I'll come up yeah. with some yeah, saint commem- stuff. Yeah, commemorate each trip with something. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. And don't forget, I'm gonna. I, I gotta go visit um, the building where. Uh, Little Richard's uh, songs yeah. were recorded yeah. on the north side of the quarter. That's uh, mission number one. Yeah. And yeah. my wife would say, "Well, we got to get pictures done because we got our, we got all of our um, engagement pictures yep. done. You know, just off the quarter there. And you know, she wants to get go back to the same locations with Nola. And yeah. Get you know, in like have chapter two of those yeah, pictures. Yeah. So that's a great that's, idea. That's top thing for her. Me. Going to visit the shrine. Get your pictures and then you go over to the Little Richard studio. Yeah, I can make sure I get pictures just outside. Yeah, absolutely. yeah dude, yeah. And if definitely, it's in the insurance office. Definitely take know. pictures of what it is so we yeah. can you know, put it up on the... I got that close to Little Richard. That yeah. close, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's history. I love it. Awesome. Well, man, dive into your song. You want me to go first? Let's do... Who cares? Does, does anybody care who goes first? I, I think just, you've got a very nice intro that leads right into your song. Okay, well, I mean... And it would seem silly for me to jumble it all up and then have to backtrack to it. I think we'll keep rolling. Your songs, you know, it's good. It's all good. Oh, but, yeah, yeah. All right, well... Uh, Hit well, it. Well, just to get it over, you know, get to go with that flow of the New Orleans feeling. Um, you know, this song this week, being a Saints fan um, in a time before Drew Brees and the success they're having now, I mean, they're... It was just one losing season after another. They just were not a good team. And here I was, like, I thought I was alone in the world up here in Indiana, being a Saints fan. I met one other person, you know, uh, John, you know. Yep. Before that, I stumbled across um, searching AM radio. I just stumbled across um, a station, 870 AM, uh, out of New Orleans. Now, on a clear night... And only at night, you can pick up and listen to WWL clean as a whistle. You can hear New Orleans all the way up here. Like, and I can't even get, like, there's part, parts of this county, I can't even get the local Evansville AM station. But right. I can get uh, 870 AM clean as a whistle. That, it has a powerful uh, frequency. I don't know if AM has, eh, it's frequency. But, um, you know, I started... Every night they'd have a sports talk, you know, about, you know, it started about four, go a little seven or whatever. And I just started noticing that, you know, when they come off commercial breaks, they'd start playing these songs that were, had saints in the lyrics. It was something about cheering on the saints. Yeah, right. And they just had song after song after song. I was like, wow, there are a lot of uh, saints songs or songs about the saints out there. And, you know, it's all these local artists. Uh, I found the actual uh, CD that had all those songs. And... I was like, you know, this would be great to get all these songs together and just play it. Like if I'm driving to a sports bar, getting ready to watch a Saints game mm-hmm. or something, you know, I, I can burn these all into a CD and play it and just get me pumped up. Right. Get me in that New Orleans state of mind. Um, so I got all these songs. But this this one, I had to have one song started off. I don't remember the first time I ever heard it. But it's just, it's New Orleans to the bone. 
And it's from an artist that's in New Orleans, The Bone. The song I picked this week, it's my number one track on my mix CD for uh, game day for the Saints, is a song called Ico Ico by Dr. John. It's the first track off Dr. John's Gumbo, the album called Dr. John's Gumbo, which is a complete album covering classics um, from the city of New Orleans. It was uh, released in 1972, um, recorded at Sound City Studios in Van Nuys, California. Now, you know, I love recording studios, yep. history recording studios. This one could have its own Netflix documentary, uh, you know, because Tom, Pet- Tom Petty, Damn the Torpedoes was recorded there. Good record. Nirvana, Nevermind. He delved, in, delved into that You're with right. Smashing Pumpkins. Guns N' Roses, Appetite for Destruction. Nice. Uh, what was that, Rocket Queen mm-hmm. in the middle where yeah. he's making love to his girlfriend? Yeah. Happened in that studio. Uh, Dio, Holy Diver, you know, talked about yeah. that on the episode. Yeah, he recorded that entire album there. Um, Rage, Rage Against the Machine's debut album, uh, System of Down's debut album, all recorded there. And, it's, and the studio's still active today. Um, it, you know, Rolling Stone ranked this album uh, 404 greatest albums of all time. 404. 404. It is a very unique album. Um, Dr. John was born Malcolm John Ravenek Jr. He's recorded 30 studio albums, nine live albums, won six Grammys, and was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2011. That is amazing to me. You hear about these artists that have like 30 and 40 and 50 records. You wouldn't know it. It's it's crazy. Yeah. It's it's. I mean, I was trying. Willie Nelson was on something the other day, and it's like his 70th record or some stupid number. Yeah, I mean it's 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 just constantly writing, constantly recording. It's amazing, man. Yeah, that's what you call a classic cult following. Yeah, I mean, and Dr. John had his. He was very unique um, because, well, he was uh, you know he grew up in New Orleans. He was you know born and raised in the Third Ward in New Orleans, which is basically like a, a township around here. Okay, I mean it's just a section of New Orleans, it's the same neighborhood Louis Armstrong came from. His dad knew Louis Armstrong. Oh, really? And it's basically like in the central business district, for those that know New Orleans. It's where the Superdome is. Now, Dr. John, he uh, wrote and originally sang the jingle for Popeye's Chicken. Love, love that chicken from Popeye's. Right. That's Dr. John. That's Dr. John. Yeah. It, uh, and for all you Muppet fans out there, he uh, inspired, um, was it Henson, Jim Henson? Uh-huh. He inspired Jim Henson to... Um, to create Dr. Teeth, really? who was the leader of the uh, Muppet um, uh, house band, Dr. Teeth and Electric Mayhem, yep. you know, which featured the crazy Muppet, Muppet called Animal that played the drums. Mm-hmm. Everybody loves Animal. Uh, his 74 album was called Desitively Bonnaroo. Uh, is directly responsible for the name of the Bonnaroo Music Festival down in Nashville. Uh, his nickname was a Night Tripper in his early days of recording and touring. Night Tripper. Yeah, uh, you know I, I. I would recommend everybody pull up. Now this is back in the early '60s. Not early '60s, late '60s, early '70s during that psychedelic period. Yep. Um, when he was uh, going hard with the uh, Night Tripper name, uh, I would recommend everybody recommend everybody pull up the album cover to his Gree Gree, which is his debut album. Um, and just to get a feel for how crazy, you know, if you pull up Dr. John now, you see kind of the subtle, you know. He, older well, gentleman, kind older, of well dressed looking. Yeah. Got a little flair to him. Yeah. Yeah. But then if you go back to um, the Gregory album, and I'll just pull it up here. That's the album cover. Wow. Yeah. It that is that looks. There. He looks like, oh, who's the, oh, who's the dude? Who's the, the acoustic guitar He's the red hair guy, red hair and pale. I don't know, but anyway, the the album cover Gregory is um, he's you know he's basically got red light coming on him. Yeah, a lot of smoke. It's a very voodoo-ish, you know, very New Orleans looking. The dark side of New Orleans. It's very creepy. I wouldn't show it to your children. Um, uh, but yeah, it's. Um, but what really made stop him, talking and go to sleep, or Doctor John's gonna come. Doctor John with that red light is gonna come in and get you and pull you out of there. Um, uh, his 
you know, everybody thinks of, you know, Dr. John today before he passed on. But back then, I mean, his stage show was very much influenced by Screaming Jay Hawkins. He would, uh, he'd appear on stage in a puff of smoke, dressed in elaborate costumes, reminiscent of the Mardi Gras with beads and feathers and bones. Sometimes he'd just walk out naked with just body paint on. Hey, Jimmy. Yeah. Ed Sheeran. Ed Sheeran. Really? You think that looks like Ed Sheeran? Yeah, it's kind of Ed Sheeran look to him. Yeah, if he was like, you know, singing Rob Zombie covers, maybe. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. It was driving me crazy. Okay, yeah, you got it out. That's all right. Um, Dr. John's lyrics uh, contain voodoo chants, which he would do during his live show, right in the middle of his show, while he was dousing the audience in glitter. There'd be snakes and Gregory <laughs> Glitter? Yeah, yeah. There, I've seen... There's no... I can't find any video of those early days of Dr. John, but um, I found some, like, in the mid seventies, when he was a little more toned down, or late seventies, and even in those, he'd come out in those fancy, he'd come out even crazier outfits. Mm-hmm. I mean, just like Mardi Gras, big feathers, right, bright yeah. colors, and I mean, he'd come out on stage at the beginning of the set, two hands full of glitter, just threw it out. So the you know. so the question that immediately comes to my mind, and and I'm sure you've probably thought of this only because we have experience in venue concert venue oh, yeah. management is normally, you know, confetti at the end of the show. A there is a cleanup fee. There is an added cleanup There is an added cleanup fee because of the mess that it makes and sticks and et cetera. Wonder what, I mean, that's for the little pieces of paper. I mean, can you, what about? Yeah, it's one thing clean up confetti. Glitter. But glitter, you got you got to hose it. Glitter is forever. You got to hose it. And God help you if it's in a theater where you don't have, uh, yeah. you know, proper, uh, you know, Drain system, drainage, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, definitely an added fee there. God, so yeah. One of the downsides of working in venue management at some point is you hear stuff like that, and it just oh, it makes my skin crawl. Because I was like, half of me wants to think that is the coolest thing ever, but the other half is like, oh, that is such a nightmare. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, I you know, I don't know if anybody and the band's always going to get charged for bathroom attendance. Yep. You know, and then they're going to get charged a cleanup fee based on. You know, a per head mm-hmm. kind of deal based on attendance, and then there's an added fee if you got confetti and all that because yep. you, you know everybody's got to stay longer, you know, and clean that yeah. crap up. I mean, and if you've never tried to pick up a small rectangular piece of tissue paper yeah. off a beer-soaked floor, oh, it's <laughs> much less try to sweep it up. Yeah, it's awful. It's awful. You people just don't know. You think it's just so great, and then you get to leave. And you know what? Visually, it's impressive. It, it is. is. It's it's impressive, but ugh. no, no. That's, that's what no I'm one I know now. Because half of me is like, man, glitter storm sounds awesome. Yeah, but oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah I, I hated when Gallagher showed up with his dang watermelons. <laughs> I mean, fruit. I mean, just nasty right, yeah. fruit all in the first few rows uh-huh. on those beautiful seats at the center. We get the way you put the tarps down. You ain't kidding, there's, but they ain't gonna get there, it all. There's never enough. Ain't, there? Yeah, <laughs> never you enough. Can't. I mean, it's you need enough for a dead body with him. But yeah. So anyway, yeah. So we're talking glitter. We're talking snakes. We're talking dancers. We're talking, you know, body paint only. Uh, coming out naked, just dressed in body paint, uh, which I first discovered down at Key West on Halloween night in '94. I just mean a buddy took a trip down there, and people walk around naked. With nothing paint on. I was just like, it's just legal. I just it blew my mind. A boy from Indiana, right? It's like, is this really the United States? I'll tell you what. I used to watch a show, and I may have mentioned it before, but that Art Man, he would go to festivals and oh, gatherings yeah. over the yeah. And he went to something in Florida. There was one episode where he went to something in Key West, and it seems like it was probably centered around Halloween. It feels like it. If I remember correctly. Well, yeah, it had to be Halloween. Had to be, because it was something very similar to what you just talked about. I can't even remember what, what the yeah. name of the festival was, but it sounded like it was something that happened every year. Oh, there was I, there was like a major storm that rolled in, and lightning and rain, and it just kind of busted up the big party going on in in Key West. And, you know, I, I, you know, I was taking shelter underneath a church while this lightning was going on. Right. I mean, you stay dry. It was just, you know... And I was just waiting for the rain to stop. And then once the rain, you know, started stopping, I was making my way back to the car where, you know, it was just like, this is where we're going to meet if we get separated. Well, we were separated. And for three blocks, I followed this 
couple that was completely butt naked. You know, I, the car lights would come along because all the power right, was out yeah. on the island. And they were just walking butt naked. And I was just like, this is the most outrageous thing, you know. Yeah. You can walk around naked in Key West. I don't know if it's like that anymore, but that night it was. <laughs> that <laughs> night it was. Um, so... You know, we talk about Grigri, that album. I mean, have you ever heard of a Grigri? Can you use the word in a sentence? <clears throat> my Grigri will change my life and make me strong. Spirit, mojo. Exactly. Kind of. Yeah, basically. Okay. Yeah, it's a. Grigri. Yeah, Grigri. It's basically a ball that's, um, you know, a, a small mixture of like, you know, powders and crushed items it just depends on what you want to change about your life you want to bring in love you want to bring in money you want to is this is this the world of voodoo magic kind of is i mean it's not it's more for good luck gotcha than it is for protection well and when i I say voodoo i mean it probably always comes with a a negative connotation to it but the way i always kind of i guess maybe approached the idea of what voodoo magic was is it's like a talisman. The good and bad. There's there's good things to it, and like you said, to bring you know love or wealth or good fortune or luck or whatever it may be. I mean, it's be religious used. in nature. Yeah, um, I mean, it's a lot like you know having a crucifix on you. Like gotcha. you know, Black Sabbath always had a crucifix yep. on stage for protection from the evil spirits or whatever. According at least according to Black Sabbath, but yeah, it's kind of along that lines. It's okay. just you know, but it's more for good luck, not protection. Like a, uh, like a hacky sack kind of. You talk about a little ball, kind of like hacky sackish. It's a hacky sack size. Okay. It is, but it really is. Um, in the whole philosophy of it is that it is a living thing that you have to nurture. Which okay, they'll tell you. Well, you need to like, you know, put a little dab of wine on it, or blow smoke into it, or uh-huh. whatever. You know, the person that creates it for you in their in their store down in New Orleans will tell you, you know, how to take care of this grigory. And, and, and I'm not making fun. Let me get that straight. But it's, what, it, it's, what it reminds me of, of what were the little electronic egg toys that all the little kids had and you had to feed it and you had to do stuff and make it grow. It was like a little egg-shaped keychain thing several years back. You're, I you're I, way over my head on this Yeah, one. It's, it's what it reminds me of. Some, I can't even think of what it's called. Did uh, your Irish singer have one of them? Probably. I, I no. can't remember his name. I just said it. <laughs> No, I can't think of what it was, but it was something. It was, it was like I said, it was a little electronic thing, and it was the biggest craze or whatever, and everybody had to have one. And it was something we had to, you know. I remember having toys where you had to take care of it. Yeah, you had to, it was like you were taking care of something, and if you took care of it properly, it would grow and, you know, whatever. That kind of I can't rings think a what bell. That's been a while. That's what it right. reminds What your, your Grigory is what reminds me of. So it's. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's yeah, a. It's got the vibe. You got the same kind it's of. It's a pre digital. Thing you so it's of. way back. Yeah. Yeah, I got you. Uh, going back to his live show, the Grigory dancers are on stage nude, covered in body paint, and then would gyrate like they do in voodoo practitions when they're being taken by the spirit. I mean, it was a real... Man, this is all I could read. I couldn't find any pictures of it. I mean, for some time in his early tours, there was a, a man named Prince Kiyama that toured with the band. Uh, during his performance, he would bite the head off a live chicken and drink the blood right on stage. Right on stage. Um, does, it, does it give any reason as to why? Well, it it was... Um, he had his own church uh, down in New Orleans. This guy was a real... Oh, okay. Like, leader of a church. I, I, Haitian in nature, I'm guessing. And went on tour with Dr. John. Dr. John. I mean, he was the best ambassador New Orleans could ever have for that culture. Right. Because he, he took it on tour. Uh, you know, as for Prince Kiyama, he would bite the, the he'd bite off a chicken's head, and the, and then, and it, you know, this is a you know Doctor John telling the story. You know, he'd, he'd make the uh, the bird seem to disappear by tossing into an enormous to an enormous black snake that would eat the whole on stage. All this stuff was happening on stage, and <laughs> sounds like a lot of violations going on. Well, you know, I'm getting to that. I mean, Dr. John, you know, he he, he said he had a well-known church in, in New Orleans where they sang, Kiyama, drink the blood, Kiyama, drink the blood. That was a chant, and he would drink it. You know, that's what he did. It was I'm kind just, of a I'm, Haitian thing. I'm just sitting here shaking my head, man. Well, it, that's why New Orleans is so unique. Yeah. Because it brings a lot of that West Africa, Haitian, uh-huh. along with the French and the yeah, Spanish flavor to it it's just a mix it's of a all gu- it's, a, it's a gumbo of ideas of course you know that all came to a screeching hole when they 
did that in a show in St. Louis, um, somewhere in the early 70s. And Midwest says no. Midwest says no. You know, St. Louis <laughs> is three hours from here. So, you know, yeah. you're shocked. Imagine what they were doing. They all went to jail for you know, oh, lewd yeah. and, you know, lewd performance and cruelty, cruelty to animals. He had to tone it down. The argument of this is art didn't fly back then. I'm sure it's fine down in the south in yeah, Louisiana. Yeah. Um, I just think that it was so normal that, you know. Yeah, it was part of, yeah. it's it, For him, it was so normal. Right, yeah. And in the band, that it was just nothing unusual to them. Right. But, you know, it's Midwest, uh-huh. you know, you're wasting the chicken. That chicken should be served. <laughs> so, yeah, they went to jail that night. Um, and they had, they had the tone, they had to end it. And that's, that kind of what led into Dr. John doing his album, Dr. John's Gumbo, which has Ico Ico on it. Um, now, the song itself, um, there's various covers out there. There's a band, uh, um, kind of a, a Supremes type band, all females, three mm-hmm. singers called the Dixie Cups. They had chart success with it in 67. Their version was in the K. Hudson movie, The Skeleton Key, uh, which came back. I don't know, that movie's probably about 20 years old now. But I love this version of Dr. John's because, well, his voice is thick, it's gravelly. I mean, he talks he talks like New he's Orleans. He's very, yeah, it's he's very He's very distinct. down low, and boy, uh-huh. he got that New Orleans thing going on. Uh-huh. Uh, the thick, gravelly New Orleans accent. And, the, and that bass player keeps that, that Bo Diddley beat going. Yeah. You know, that one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, which, you know, that Bo Diddley beat can be found in many songs, like you know Buddy Holly and later the Rolling Stones cover it of uh, uh, "Well Love Is Love and Not Fade Away." Uh, you can hear it in Magic Bus, you know the mm-hmm. Who, um, American Girl, Tom Petty. You know it's, it's got that, you know Mr. Brownstone. You can hear it in Guns N' Roses. So I'm sitting here trying to think of uh, an Ozzy song, Ozzy Osbourne song. It's got that. See you beat. on the other side. See you on the other side. Oh wow! I'm, I'm, I may be hearing the beat different in my head, but it seems like the opening. It, I don't think opening, it shuffles like it. Opening. It seems like the opening bass on that song has kind of got that one, two, three, four, five, one, two. Hmm. Three. I, uh, I'm gonna have to go back, back and listen. And listen to that. But just when you just when you were talking about it, it just kind of occurred to me that for whatever reason that song popped in my head because it's it's just a distinctive bass line from the Ozzy catalog that's randomly floating around in my head. And, and well, songs like "Because I Gotta Get I Gotta Have Faith of Faith of Faith" by George Michael. George Michael, formerly uh, of, of Wham. Formerly of Wham. You know, it's got that one, two, three, four, yeah. five. Uh, Desire by U two, and even uh, "Don't Let Her Go," the first song off Ariel Speedwagon's biggest selling album, High Fidelity. It's very interesting to me because one of the things I wrote down about this is I've you know you sent me the songs and I listened to it a couple of times. And I swear to you, I was sitting on the couch, and I could hear the music coming from the boys' room up ste- up the steps. You know, okay. they'll listen to something, I can it kind of flows down or whatever. And I must have just listened to that song that day or later in the day or something, but I could hear that beat coming through whatever. And, you know, we've talked about this yeah. before. They listen to all this new, whatever the new stuff is. Right. I mean, they do delve back into the old stuff, but, you know, I think whatever they were listening to was of the newer style of stuff and I was like man that's, that sounds exactly like that beat that yeah it's universal the, yeah yeah. Univers- I mean if you ever if you're writing a song you got lyrics and you don't have any music go with it put it to the Bo Diddley that's a go to Bo Diddley beat you can't go wrong because it's gonna it, if you want to get the people going right it's it's worked throughout the decades yeah um, so we gotta thank Bo Diddley about with for that um, now the song was written and recorded back in the early 50s by a fellow New Orleans singer named James Crawford who worked under the name Sugar Boy and the Cane Cutters. Uh, Sugar, Sugar Boy and the Cane Cutters. Sugar Boy and the Cane Cutters. Yeah, that was okay. the name of his band. Uh, James Crawford uh, was at a Mardi Gras parade and witnessed two Mardi Gras Indian tribes throwing insults and threats back at each other. Oh. This is what inspired the song, Ico mm-hmm. Ico. Now... You know, going into Mardi Gras history a little bit because not everybody knows uh, what the Mardi Gras is all about. Uh, there are Indian tribes, um, Mardi Gras Indian tribes that, you know, they parade. There's many parades that go on during the Mardi Gras period uh, down in New Orleans, all over different towns, Metairie, down in New Orleans, different parts of New Orleans. And there's 
everyone's got different tribes for the neighborhoods. Now, it's not tribes in terms of Native Americans. They're just simple local residents uh, reveling in their lavish outfits, uh, very much influenced by Native American ceremonial garb. Um, but, kind, you know. Kind of like community pride kind of thing? It's, very proud of where they come from and their history? It's or? peacock in nature. It's okay. total peacock. Okay. I mean, Liberace couldn't hold a candle in these outfits. <laughs> Uh, I mean, some of them can weigh up to 100 pounds and cost thousands of dollars. I mean, they're very lavish. Wow. Um, now, collectively, you know, they're called tribes. There's about 38 of them currently in the New Orleans area. Okay. Uh, they got crazy names like Wild Chapatulas, uh, Louisiana Star Choctaw Nation, the Seventh War Creole Hunters, the Mandingo Warriors, Spirit of Fee, Creole Asawela, Young Navajo, and Wild Bogachita. It's fun watching you say these. What was the wee one? It's the spirit of bee. <laughs> I think that's my favorite. Uh, and what, and the hell that what was there? Did you say Choctaw Nation? Louisiana Star Choctaw Nation. Choctaw Nation. Why does that sound? Oh. Hank Williams song. Is it okay? Fell in love with the Choctaw man. Right. Down I'm down trying to. Gardens. Yeah, I'm trying. But when you said it, it was like I know that from something. Collagen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Choctaw was in that song. All right. Gotcha. And he's a Louisiana. A lot of Louisiana influence of Hank Williams. Awesome. Um, like a. Oh God! What's his most famous uh, folk? Um, Jambalaya, mm-hmm. crawfish pie, yeah. a, a filet gumbo. Yeah, he, you know, a lot of New Orleans and. Hank Williams. Um, now, the individual tribes get hired for public events. I mean, it's the only way they can fund these ridiculous outfits. Right. I, I ran a half marathon down New Orleans that it basically cut across, um, went down the convention center, up toward the Superdome, and then across St. all the way down St. Charles, St. Charles Avenue, which is, uh, you know, the streetcars yeah. down St. Charles, and, you know, to the city park and back. And at the end, this is probably why it's my favorite half marathon because the the laws down in New Orleans, as far as liquor laws, I mean, they're so loose. There. I was gonna say, do they have liquor laws yeah. in New Orleans? Because we end, you know, we get to the finish line and they got a shock or a shock dog. They got a Mardi Gras tribe there. I don't know which tribe it was, but right. I mean, just decked in the nines. Yeah. And you know, you get your you can get your picture with them. Man, beautiful outfits. Um. But the greatest thing was is that um, Abita Springs, I think, is a local brewer down there. I think it's Abita. It's Abita Brewing. Mm-hmm. And they, all you had to do is just walk up. They didn't show your ID or nothing. They were serving beers. Serving beers for free because they were the title sponsor of this gotcha. uh, half marathon. So even if you weren't running the marathon, you could walk up and get a beer. Um, oh, wow. And no money. You didn't have to pay nothing. I mean, I mean, I was, and there was a live band playing, you know, the right. There's always a live jug band. band, Creole music. Yeah, I mean, just great. And I was just getting hammered, hammered drunk in the oh. front row, hammered drunk. Well, that helps explain. I was down there. I don't remember how long ago. It's, it's been a while. We were down there for, I don't even remember why, but I do remember walking, you know, through the streets and whatnot. And there was a couple that was obviously having an argument or disagreement about something. Okay. <clears throat> and as we approached him, and what I remember the guy saying to her is, it's not you, it's this city. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it's always kind of stuck with me. Yeah. So, yeah, that <laughs> it's yeah. not you, it's this city. That reminds me of the water boy when um, Bobby Boucher's mama started reading those letters that she'd gotten from Bobby's dad. Right. The, the real truth behind uh-huh. he didn't die in the desert, you know, because he didn't have water. It was... Um, <laughs> You know, he was down in New Orleans. He kept writing letters. And you know, he said, New Orleans is expensive, but it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, it is. Yeah, it, it, it's all that. I, even going to, like, the last Saints game Cat and I went to, there was, there'd be a guy on the street corner with just a cooler full of beer and just selling them, like, for a dollar. Yeah. I mean, you don't need a liquor license or bartender license That's, or a permit right. like you do in Indiana. Yeah. It just blew my mind. It's crazy. It's just so loose. but So irresponsible. <sighs> Big Easy, right? <laughs> Isn't that the nickname? It's one of them. Okay. All right. So back to the song. I was talking about um, how the song came to be. Uh, I don't know where I left off here. Two tribes go to war. They were basically spit-talking to each other. Um 
you know, and it was Mardi Gras time. Everybody comes out to play, and in the old days, the tribes would get pretty rough, and it was the inspiration for the song. Now, the actual meaning of the words in the song is I couldn't find anything clear-cut. Even you know, Sugar Boy Crawford couldn't even tell you. I've seen interviews with him mm-hmm. talking about Ico Ico. Uh, he just knows what he heard that day. Um, you know, people say it's a mix of... You know, the words that are in there is a mix of Creole, Choctaw, uh, West Africa, Yoruba language. Um, you know, so, you know, looking at the lyrics, talk, talking about, hey, now, hey, now, Ico, Ico, and day, Giacomo, Fino, Anane, Giacomo, Finane. That's a, one of the lines. Uh, you know, to translate it, I mean, E-I-O? Yeah, really. I mean, they're talking about, you know, hey, now, pay attention, pay attention to this. The Joker, we do not play today. The Joker's finished. That's how people translate it. Now, some people say think Giacomo means uh, you know means uh, f you, you right, know, or kiss my behind. Basically, I've always been fascinated with that that language down there is just so it's so unique, and like you said, it's it's like a combination of so many different yeah. Oh, that French Creole. If you ever go down there, and it's just, I mean, more than anything, it's just for me, it's it's fascinating to just listen to. I have no idea what you're saying, man, but it is though. It's cool as shit. Yeah, if you go to, like, go out, if you're going to do, like, I would recommend, if you've never been down there, to go out in the country, like, find, like, um, you know, a boat that goes out and sees alligators, and mm-hmm. they're all over Louisiana, tourist, touristy yeah. places, but if you go, if you find one way out in the country, I mean, you're really getting in the French, French Creole area. Yeah. This one guy took us out, I mean, we drove, you know, probably at least an hour out in New Orleans to find this guy. And um, you might you might be around Homa, town of Homa. I can't remember, but anyway, he took us out and he would talk to us about the natures of alligators. I think. <laughs> I mean, it was, right. I, I remember hearing alligator. Yeah. But this guy, it sounded like English, but man, uh, I could not freaking understand what he was saying. It was awesome. so thick. Yeah. The, French, the heavy French. Yeah. Um, mixed with a little bit of English. Yeah. I, it is, eh, whatever. It was a good time anyway. I mean, it was all about the marshmallows. He would throw marshmallows. Alligators knew the marshmallows. <laughs> it's just like feeding squirrels. Right. You know, it was, uh, if you want to get the alligator's attention, I guess it's... it's marshmallows puff, is the way. Puffy marshmallows. Okay. But, uh, you know, going back to the song, you know, you know, there's... They talk about spy boys, uh, you know, my flag boy, your flag boy is sitting on the fire, my flag boy, your flag boy, I'm going to set your flag on fire. I mean, the flag boys basically look out for the individual tribes. Uh, uh, this line makes it look like the flag boys are going after each other. So it's basically, a, the song is about a war between the tribes, these right. Mongol tribes, is what I gathered out of it. You wouldn't get it from just reading the lyrics, that's for, that's yeah. for sure. Right. But it's just, it's just classic New Orleans. Yeah. It takes you right into the culture of yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. It's, we are definitely... Uh, fish out of water right. up here in Indiana. Oh yeah. So the, you know this song, it's 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 uh, you know like yeah, I know it's very still very popular in, in the Mardi Gras um, parades. And mm. You still hear it in different ways and means, and you can hear it and hear it on Bourbon Street in the Preservation Hall. Which you know, by the way, you know they they did do a thing with Dr. John on the on the HBO special that you talked about before uh, with David Grohl, the Sonic Highway. Oh yeah. Yep. Um, now, I haven't seen that. Um, I know you I'm watched gonna to, it right I'm going to have to figure out a way to get you, get it to you to watch. I just, it is fascinating. And, I mean, that New Orleans one, I think, I want to say, it's been it's a long time. now. You can get on YouTube, maybe. Maybe, or, uh, yeah. But it, it seems like, it seems like the central person, and they talk to a bunch of different people, but every episode they would take, like, one person who's kind of the, maybe the central, if you will, focus of talking about the history and I think the Foo Fighters even played at Preservation Hall with uh, Trombone Shorty. Oh, yeah. Who seemed to be kind of the focus of And I'd always heard the name Trombone Shorty. Yeah. But I've never been a big jazz guy. Right. But I remember watching that episode and watching watching him play. It reminds me. So, I mean, even funeral processions. Yeah. In New Orleans. Second is, line. Is a whole band and celebration. And that is... I love that. 
Yeah. I mean, it is. That's it's a good way to go out. God, a good way to leave the earth. Absolutely, man. <laughs> Just a big parade and a, everybody dancing and. Oh, even the weddings down there. Carrying on. Yeah, the weddings. I, I saw uh, a wedding. They're basically parades. I mean, yeah. they'll, they'll, go, they'll go down the street. They'll have a horn, you know, brass band right behind them with the swinging trombone sound. And, mm-hmm. and then all the uh, the guests that were at the church would have, uh, like, white uh, handkerchiefs, and they would be swinging them yeah. behind the band. And they just parade down the street from the church. It's, it's so visually fun. Yeah. I, I love it. Yeah. I, I love everything about it. It's great. Yeah. But yeah, that's my song this week, Aiko Aiko. Check it out. I, oh, that one. I, I, will, I will say that every week I feel a little more, man, I got to do some more, find some more oh. facts on my songs. Man, you do such a good job. You do such a good job. Well, it's these, these songs, and, you know, I... You know, and I hear it too. I don't pick any new songs. That's I don't. There's so much, so many songs in the past century. You just pick pick stuff that speaks to you, man. Yeah, and it that's, does. And that's what I do too. I mean, it's. I'll, I'm sure eventually I'll get some older stuff. Right now, I, I stay pretty current. I've actually got just a list that I just started going by, and I'm just running down the list. Yeah, see this song tonight. I've never heard it. I've heard of this band, right? That you got, but I've never heard the song. Yeah, I was, I was shocked. I was surprised that, and then I played two the two I think biggest songs from the from this group or artists or whatever you want to call it. That I was, I don't, I don't know how. Man, good for you for escaping it. I don't know how I did. But you know, it seems like the hook of the song I've heard on ESPN. Oh, I'm sure you have. Because because I think it's I even like made NBA. the I think I even made the comment. Have you just not seen a Pepsi commercial? Because I want to think one of these two songs were in a Pepsi commercial. I'll stop talking about. I'll stop the suspense, and I'll just say what it is. But my my song this week is the Macklemore Ryan Lewis uh, can't hold us, and you said you never had heard that song, and it just it blew me away. Yeah. And then I went back and played Thrift Store, or Thrift. Well, I listen to Ico Ico. Well, I know. I'm not going to ever do this It's just I'm I, you know, and I'm amazed that just you know. Well, I don't watch TV. Well, I know. I guess I don't know. It's still anyway. Yeah. My song this week, the Macklemore Ryan Lewis Can't Hold Us from the album The Heist, 2012. You know, when that thrift, I can't remember, thrift store, thrift shop, whichever one it was. When that song came out. That was actually awesome. He, he, he played that for me, the video for me. Right, that, yeah. And that, that was pretty, yeah. it's pretty hilarious. It's fun. Yeah. And it's it's infectious enough. And then this song, The Can't Hold Us, to, to me it was it's just as infectious but a little more on a serious tone, whereas the, the thrift shop was a little kind of hokey. It was very weird out. Yeah, very <laughs> weird out. Um, but no, the, the Can't Hold Us, Highest 2012. First time I heard this, I went and I listened to the record, and it was like there was something, to me there was something about these songs, um, and the Can't Hold Us. There was something about that, and I couldn't put my finger on it, and I really still can't. I think, I think I mean, I've never been a big rap or hip-hop. I mean, I like certain stuff, but I've never been a huge fan of that genre I concur but every now and then I'll hear something that piques my interest because it sounds so different and there's just something about the the sound of this the instruments of this I don't know there's something about it I can't remember. and I mean it to me man this song just makes you want to dance I mean it's just the beat of it the way it goes him spitting out all those words you know and it's and if you sit down and listen to it kind of how I I heard this record and I like these songs and I like this song, and then I kind of circled back to it in that I saw like a a Nightline or a Twenty Twenty or one of those news okay. shows, yeah. and they were talking to him that there are these two about their success and just how they got popular and this that, and the other, and this song is kind of that story in that I was fascinated by basically they had been kind of independent doing their own thing, things from from Seattle area. And and I think Macklemore himself had been doing it since he was you know in his early teens or whatever. And now, is heard, he the vocalist? Yeah, yeah. And then Ryan Lewis is kind of the producer. I, I'm kind of the DJ of the band. I wouldn't say DJ. I think sound great. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Sounds. I mean, I think it's a collaborative event between the two of them that put this whole thing together. Okay. But what I was fascinated more than anything by, and it kind of refers to it in the lyrics of this of, of the "Give it to the people, let it do its thing," was. My understanding of this record, 
from what I remember from that show is they had, I mean, they'd been years and years selling out of the trunks, hustling and bustling, trying to make a name for themselves and whatever. And like, I think even doing touring to some extent and major record labels were approaching them about this record. And they said no to everybody because we know what we've got. Your deal's not good enough for what we got. We're going to do it on our own. What would be the hang-up with the companies? You know what? I don't specifically remember, but it just seemed like it was a... It seemed like he made a reference to, and I wish I could go back and find it, but... It was seemed, it money? Was it control? I don't know if it... It, it might have been a combination of everything. It was just like, you know, why would we give, you know, whatever control to you when we know what we've got and we, we can do it ourselves? Okay. And so they kind of did it themselves. Okay. And it just fascinated me that, you know what? You believe so much in this. And it was huge. It was a monster record. I don't remember what year. You know, like I said, the album came out in 12, but I don't remember if it was 13 or 14 when things really picked up and exploded for them. But it was, between those two singles, it was a one-two punch. It would be interesting to know how they distributed their music. Yeah, and, and what I think is, you know... It's they, a different age. They now. probably got a distribution deal of some sort to get it out. It's 2012. I mean, you're talking digital too. I mean, you're right. Yeah, exactly. So, exactly. So, like I just remember is. seeing that show and just being fascinated because I think you know there was all kinds of the personal things he went through that I'm not going to go into. But what really struck my attention was it was a, it was the whole attitude of, and this is our this is our record and we'll put it out the way we want to do it and there's nothing you can give us that will help us do better than what we think we can do with it. They can have the pie and eat it yeah, too. Yeah, it was, it was their baby and they, they took it on. So, so that kind of forced me to circle back a little bit and re-listen to everything again because like I said, it's a super infectious song. And it's, you know, I think I've even made the comment before of this song, if this song does not make you want to shake your booty shame on you because there's just, there is something about the tempo and the beat of the song that just to me is just ridiculously uh, infectious. Yeah. So yeah, it's and there's a little bit of a life story there too. Yep, yep. The lyrics are cool, and and again, you know, God, I wish I could speak as fast as he goes. I feel I feel like on this sometimes I go way too fast. <laughs> like if I get excited about something, I'll start blah 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 oh, blah blah. You, you, but it's man, I but, wish I could speak as clearly and as fast as that guy. That's talent, man. Yeah, that's, that's ridiculous. Yeah, he, he he's he's yeah. already like three verses down the line when he's talking. Oh yeah. Current. Yep. You gotta be on top of it to be that fast. Yep. This uh this song was praised by Digital Spy as quote infectious soul soaked piano line and beats more vibrant than Rio de Janeiro's finest carnival floats. It's colorful. Locking it down. Uh let's see. 2012, kind of circling back to football, Seattle Seahawks season. Uh, 2012. Your right? Yep, yep. Okay. I believe it's from Seattle. Yep. The Seahawks used this song was the official touchdown song. Listing of yeah. what I dig about it, it's again, I'll say it again, it's unique. Uh, it's a very anthemish, you know, yeah. very yeah. anthemish. Well, kind of, that's why I said like NBA used that hook. I remember right, that yeah. hook right before, you know, NBA denied or something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Uh, there's tinges of gospel in it. Yeah. There's a little gospel going on there. Uh, the clapping track to the na-na-na part, which is kind of the break there after the horn section. Yeah. Uh, that's cool. Uh, man, I found myself kind of doing the metal headbang to this, even that little horn section, man. It's just, just something about that. Drive. Yeah, it's got the drive, got the groove. Um, and again, just his, his ability to spit out all those words. And I know a lot of them do that and talk fast. And, man, there's just a lot of respect for those guys because... I can barely speak without jumbling up whatever. All right. So the fact that they can do it that quickly is awesome. Um, the other thing, the other little story you kind of have that ties to this song is, so I was a rep on a country tour probably 2014, 15, something like that. Yeah. And it was country act, and it wasn't, you know, it, was, it wasn't anybody I, I work with today, but... Uh, okay. You know, just kind of a quick, I think that we did three or four shows with them or whatever. But they were a pretty big name at the time. And it was it was so much fun to go out and stand at the side of the stage. So, you know, somebody's getting ready to go on stage. There's that moment where the lights go out. Everybody gets excited. And then there's intro music. Right. You know, whether it be 30 seconds long or a full song or whatever it is. And then the band you came to see comes on stage. The headliner comes on stage and lights go up. Okay. So 
uh, we're in a, it was over in Illinois, Champaign, Illinois, man, and it's like the lights go down, and I'm standing on the side of the stage because I was just kind of like watching such a, a neat experience to kind of watch the crowd as yeah. somebody's coming. It's just it's fun. It's it's cool. It's why yeah. I, you know I love doing what I do. So lights go down, and this Macklemore can't hold a song comes on. Oh, really? And the pump know, to get the crowd. Yes, yeah, the crowd pump up on before the, yeah. the the main band comes out, and it's like you know it's dark, but there's still a little bit of light, so you can see. I mean, and this is cowboys and cowgirls. Typical country concert. General admission floor, thousand of these cowboy hats floating around. And this song comes on, and they automatically all know what's going on. And it gets to that na-na-na part after the horn section, and they all start jumping. Really? It was it was just like, holy shit, what is happening? This is the coolest thing I've ever seen. This cowboy is, hats. Oh, cowboys and cowgirls. And they were loving it. Okay. And it was just, it was like the greatest song you could play to get this band to come out on stage. Okay. Which was a country band. Yeah. And it was just yeah. like, it was... That's it, it was country, like, isn't it? It was like, man, that is one of those things I will never see again. That was, it was just, you know, I always hear a song go, man, that'd be a great song to play before a band comes out or, or whatever. Yeah. But, man, this song is, was evidently, that night was the perfect song. Cause, and I'll never forget that memory. It was just, it was the coolest thing I ever saw because as soon as I got to it, it was just like, because I remember we did, like said, a couple, handful of shows with them in the second or third night. I was just out there just kind of rubbing my hands, just going, come on, get to the na-na-na part because I want to see it again because yeah. it's cool. And every night, I mean, it was just it was the same thing every night. It was just like that song was so huge and it was just all over the place that everybody knew it was going to Number one party song. It was just a great song, man. Wow. So that's my that's my fond memory of the song. But again, I... I would you say this is their biggest hit? I would say probably yeah. so. I mean, okay. it's... Their signature yeah, stairway to heaven yeah. if, if, if they had one. Yeah, man. They stay with him. I mean, but it's their signature. Yeah, I, they I close would, the show with. Yeah, yeah, for me, I would say yeah. Okay. Yeah, All I would right. think so. All right, I would think so. So, um, but yeah, the you know my little story there that that was cool. And this is man, this is a song I think goes well with everything. What? Yeah, and that says something about kind unless of you're trying to just relax and calm down. Probably didn't go well with that. No, no, you probably if you're yeah. looking for like something to go to sleep to, probably don't suggest this. No, you know both. Yeah, both their songs today are high, high energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, wow, I can imagine. I mean, I've heard heard that song just tonight, and yeah. I can't imagine that being played at a country concert. Yeah, and it was man, it was stuff. So it's universal. Oh yeah. Well, I'm the eye, and that's guy. what I kind of dig about it too. Is I mean, that's what and that's what I love about all this. I mean that that makes me happy when I see stuff like that. It's like you know what? We're not just all. We're a rap group, so we're just going to do rap. Or we're a country group, and we're just going to do country. Or we're a rock group, we're just going to do, or we're soul, or we're gospel, or what? I mean, it's this song pulls from so much, and that's it makes me happy that stuff. Yeah, but it's tough. It doesn't always it doesn't always fit. It doesn't always make sense, but when it does, it's cool. I just keep thinking there was some country artist that came through. I want to say Brantley Gilbert that played "Inner Sandman" by Metallica. Yeah. And it's just, I, is this guy country or is he not country? I, you know what I mean? He fits the country. He fits the country yeah. genre. But th- that's the thing anymore. It's just which, the country's changed so much, it seems like. Oh, yeah. it's. I think about that a lot. Is There's a lot of stuff I hear on country radio now that 30 years ago when we were growing up would yeah. be on a pop station. Yeah. But there's some... I mean, there's some stuff that's distinctively country. There's some stuff that's distinctively pop. There's some stuff that's distinctively whatever. Right. But the fact that stuff can float around, I love it. Well, I mean, you think if if uh, we're, you know, back in last month, we celebrated 40 years of Back in Black. Yeah. ACDC. Now, if you shook did you, me did all night long. Did you watch a documentary, uh, No, I haven't yet. Oh, it's great. Yeah, oh, I'm going to watch it. But, uh. But you think you shook me all night long, came out the day, it would probably fall in the country genre. I don't oh, think it fall. Yeah, it could. You Back think. then, it was considered like it hard rock. Hard metal. rock, yeah. But now it'd be yeah. country. I, I have no doubts about it. It could very easily fall. Yeah, if it was a brand new song today, yeah, yeah, it could easily fall into. But that's, I mean, 
That's the beauty of it. I mean, I, I love knowing when I hear like a Hank Williams singer. We talked about him earlier. I know yeah. when I hear that distinctive sound, yeah. I know that's country. Yeah. But I'm also cool with hearing, I don't you know, whoever. Well, the one thing I didn't get into on the Aerosmith one was that it seemed like the big bang of rap and rock happened with Aerosmith and Run DMC. Oh, yeah. It seemed like it... Like rap got on them, and even Dr. Dre said that, you know, that song did everything for rap because it got on got them on MTV, exposed them to a mm-hmm. whole di- different group of uh, yeah. music fans, and yeah. was d- directly responsible for mixing the genres of music. Yeah, and you had um, Anthrax and uh, Public Enemy did Bring the Noise. Yeah, I'm the man. Or bring the noise. Yeah, yeah. bring the noise. So I'm the, man, I'm the man. Was I think it was an anthrax. Yeah, but that's kind of rap. Single, but yeah, it was based in rap. Yeah. Yeah, and um, but yeah, yeah the, I think the, it's the carried Aeros- over the country too. Yeah, the arrows. Oh, absolutely. Well, and I mean, it's there's an artist, uh, Kane Brown, who does. There's a song with that marshmallow. I've heard of Kane. He's come through here. Yeah, and he's got a huge following. Oh, he's yeah, he's very talented. Yeah. Um, but there's some song where it's it's like Kane Brown and marshmallow, and I mean it's like and marshmallow is like this like DJ type. Dude, I guess. Yeah. And I mean, to listen to the song, there is, when I, I would say there's nothing that categorizes it for me to be that classic country sound. Right. I agree. It's a pop song in my yeah, head. Absolutely. I hear it. Well, it just goes, it's like going my, back to your, this song here can be played at a country show. It's oh, just, yeah. There's yeah. no yeah. walls anymore. No, yeah. It's, and it's, it's like it, you know, and in my playlist, it's and it, I will, it jumps all over the place. I just don't, I don't know. Man. It's it's funny because I, I will, I will, I think I even I talked to somebody recently that was talking about it and it was they were listening to one of the episodes and it was a country artist I did. I don't remember. And it was, you know, I was like, I don't listen to country music. Yeah. And and I didn't, you know, and it teaches their own. But I'm like, yeah, you do. Man, That's what you're thinking. Well, no, I'm thinking. <laughs> I, well, what I'm honestly, what I'm thinking is, man, maybe, maybe, you know. Not everything's going to be for everybody because there's a lot of stuff that ain't for me. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that if I never went to the country station, I'd never hear something that I'd go, oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. You know, it's, and I, dude, I was the same way for a lot of years, shit, till I met you, man. I would have never, you're the one that got me to oh, all stop the, listening to all 80s the, LA hair metal bands and open, up a, and open up a little bit to some. Some classic country schooling, but you never heard the never heard of Red Sylvine until you met me. Oh, now. Red Sylvine, come on, <laughs> Teddy Bear. Oh. That's perfect uh, after Ozfest, you know. The way yeah, well, and speaking of Ozfest, and you said something about AM stations earlier. Some of my fondest memories, man, are just going on those four-hour halls to yeah. like an Ozfest or something, right? And that drive home. Mm-hmm. From midnight to four a.m. Oh yeah, coast and to just, coast, and just listening to you know, and you just working that dial and finding some a.m. station and just listening to whatever. Bell. Yeah, <laughs> God, that was the best. I had the best time. Yeah, that was great. I think your first episode. I, I don't know if you ever heard it before, but the episode I listened to you first with Coast to Coast, which is like it's still on today, uh, talks about. You know, paranormal, right? Stuff. UFOs and ghosts and but th- that Bigfoots night, and well, Bigfoot was the uh, was that Psychic Sasquatch? Psychic Sasquatch. Psychic Sasquatch. A baby. guy named like Bill Smith, but he also named Keani. He also goes by <laughs> Keani, right? Yeah, I think that, that was the first time he ever heard Coast to Coast. And God, there's so many memories of that. What was the one the call the guy that called in about his group that met one the first Wednesday? I can't remember what the topic was, but. He went on some five ten minute spiel of this group in some town, and they met every Wednesday, or every it's like we meet the first Wednesday of the month at so and so library or whatever. And the host of the show is all right. Well, that sounds fascinating. Yeah, you tell us how many you know how many members do you have? And well, right now it's just me. <laughs> right. And I mean, this guy's gone <laughs> on for like fifteen minutes about whatever this group you know. Yeah, the fruit loop conspiracy conspiracy group it was, and it was yeah. just like. Uh, but yeah, Psychic Sasquatch, man, read your thoughts. Bigfoot, Bigfoot knows what you're thinking. Yeah. And he teleports too, right? He teleports, yeah. He's a yep. time traveler. Yeah, he's a very powerful. I've learned a lot man. of stuff about this world we live in from those art bills. Many dimensions. <laughs> Many dimensions. Yeah. Dirty $5 bills. Yeah. It's, um, it's a scary world out there at night. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. 
Alright, we've gone on. My God, we are. It's another long one. Oh, well, you know, the, the topics are hot. What can you say? Uh, right, yeah, it's, it's just too much good stuff. It's, it's, it's all, yeah, it's cutting edge. Um, so, but, yeah, so, yeah, it's a, you know, I might start listening to this, uh, listening to this group a little more. Yeah, give them, yeah. Because I never have. It's one of those, like I said, it's, I, I look for songs that just kind of grab my core for whatever reason. Right. That's what I gravitate to. And it's, you know, if I hear a song, this, and this is one of those songs that the first time I heard it, I went, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I don't know what you're saying. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what the name of the song is. I don't know who you are. But, yeah, this is a good, yeah, I dig this. You could, I could hear this song at every football stadium as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it definitely is right it's, up there. It is probably on a Jock Jams volume 75. Yeah, wherever they're at Wherever now. it is now. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, it's an anthem. There's yeah. no doubt about it. Yep. Yep. Okay. All right, y'all. Don't forget to subscribe and rate and send emails and follow socials. It's uh, every playlist tells a story at gmail.com. I'm Todd. I'm Jimmy. And we are out of here.